the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Vortex Optics, Cutting Edge Bullets, and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now, your host, Rick Travis. Good afternoon, Patriots, and welcome to CRPA's Fine Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. And if you haven't joined the CRPA, go to crpa.org, that's crpa.org, and sign up today. Otherwise, as I say every week, you're just leasing your rights from the state of California. Folks, we're the organization that fights for your Second Amendment, your conservation rights, and have been doing so for now 150 years. So today is a special day. Um, I tell you guys about all the people that I work with up in the Capitol, people that make a difference in your lives, people that are on the front line. And one of the people I've had the privilege of working for for many years with is a great colleague, a great personal friend, is Bill Gaines of Gaines & Associates, who is here today. We're going to be talking about everything conservation, hunting, the fight, and even some things that are gone locally. Bill, welcome to the show. Rick, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So, Bill, a lot of people do not understand um, what a lobbyist does. I explained to them that I'm a lobbyist just for the CRPA, but... You actually are for multiple organizations. Could you name a few of the organizations you represent in this space? I'd be happy to. I, I have the pleasure and honor of representing uh, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, National Wild Turkey Federation, California Deer Association, California Houndsmen for Conservation, uh, California Bowman Hunters State Archery Association, you know, the uh, even the California Hawking Club, which is a, a group of falconers that, that hunt with falcons and, and a variety of smaller waterfowl groups and so forth. So some SEI chapters. I mean, so I, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to represent a lot of folks in the, uh, the hunting and conservation space. And it's interesting, Rick, because I hate politics. I hate <laughs> politics, you know, and, and certainly did not major in political science in college. You know, I wasn't planning. I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> but uh, I just kind of found my way into this work because I, I realized just, you know, what a battle we had on the political front. And then the Lord blessed me with, with putting me in a position where I could help make a difference and work with wonderful people like you in doing so. So, yeah, it's it's, it's been a pleasure for sure. So, you know, when talking about a lot of these different groups, um, you know, in the hunting and conservation space especially, there seems to be this tension all the time um, when it comes to legislation. I know you've seen it over the years of 
well, that really doesn't apply to me. That's more like for the waterfowl people, or that's more for like the upland people, or that's more for like just the big game people. You know, it seems like sometimes to me we're hurting cats to try to get everybody to realize that we can't afford to die by what I call a thousand paper cuts, which seems to be what the crazy left wants to do. And so what are some of the things that you've tried to do to, to talk to those different groups? Because I know like me, you go out and meet with different groups of people in different locations throughout the state and across the Western United States um, through like the Western Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies and, and different conferences. What are some of the things that you try to do? Because I try to get people talking points when they're out there in their communities. What are some of the things that you try to, to bring up to help people understand that and attack on ones and attack on all? You know, Rick, we, we learned our lesson here in California in a big, hard way back in 2012 when the legislature passed Senate Bill 1221. And and that was the bill, as you remember, that, that prohibited the use of dogs to pursue bobcats and bears, mm-hmm. right? And, and at that time, we didn't have the, the unity that we have now. And, and I can't tell you how many groups, different types of hunting organizations that we tried to bring into that battle to help us kill that bill. And we heard the comment, I don't hunt with dogs or I don't hunt bears with dogs or I don't do this. I only hunt ducks. I only hunt pheasants, whatever. Right. And, and a lot of the other groups just stayed out of that fight. Now the houndsmen showed up by the hundreds to try to kill that legislation. In fact, I've been doing this for over three decades and I have never seen as many individuals show up at the Capitol, you know, to testify to try to kill something as I did on Senate Bill 1221. And a lot of these folks drove five, six hours to get there. And for most of them, it was their first trip ever to the Capitol, you know, but nevertheless, that, that bill narrowly passed and went into law back in 2013. And, and we know what a problem it's created with, you know, burgeoning bear populations ever since. But we learned a lesson with that, you know, and since then, that's when we've really, and I've had the pleasure of working with you in CRPA to to really unite the various hunter groups to where we're all in on anything that challenges any type of hunting, any type of method to take or or anything like that, we're all going to join together to fight that. Yeah, I think uh, unpacking 1221 is a great thing to do on this show because you know, a lot of people are like, well, you don't know if it's going to go this way or that way. But we do have coming up on about 12 years of experience. I remember at the time, um, I can't remember, Mark Kenyon, I think was his name. He was the bear biologist for the Department of Fish and Game that was becoming the Department of Fish and Wildlife during that same time period. And Kenyon had said, hey, if you remove the dogs, you're not going to take as many bears, and the bear population is going to exceed the carrying capacity, I mean, the amount of land for the bears to be able to be healthy and sustainable and not cause problems with other species. But, you know, that obviously wasn't heeded by the legislature, as you said, and went into law. And now we're dealing with, I mean, let's just kind of unpack this because we're dealing with bears as a big issue in the state. I mean, there are a number of estimates that are well over twice the population, the carrying capacity, I think, at the time. Mark was saying somewhere in the twenty-eight to 30,000 range, and now we got people saying it could be 60, 70, or more thousand. You know, so we have that. We have, um, I think, Dr. Monk from the department has told us about there's bear encephalitis, which only happens for the most part when you get too many bears in a given area. You know, some of these zoonotic diseases become more prevalent. We've got, um, you know, bear-human interactions are up. We've got 
bears switching from being, you know, primarily omnivores, meaning that they eat both, you know, their veggies and their meats to being primarily carnivores and, and creating havoc. I mean, Bill, you know, as well as I do, this is a huge issue because and that puts off the entire apex predator issue statewide. Well, there's, there's no question, Rick. And, and I think, you know, you know, the, the animal rights folks want to claim, well, you know, you know, bears are vegetarians. They eat berries in this and that. And they do. Right. But they also are just death when it comes to deer, for example, in California. I mean, mountain lion, we're, our deer populations are struggling. Make no mistake about that. And they have been for, for, for several decades. We're doing all we can to try to reverse that and turn that around. You know, mountain lions, obviously, you know, Going back 30 plus years, when on the general ballot, they took away our ability to hunt mountain lions. Obviously, that's a big predator of deer, you know, but mountain lions may get a lot of the credit for killing deer. But the fact is, bears kill more deer than mountain lions do. I mean, we did a study, California Deer Association with the Department of Fish and Wildlife a while back, where we collared a bunch of fawns, newborn fawns. And 80% of the fawns in that study area were killed by bears before they reached a month, a month of age. 80% of them, right? And then so that we know that the bears just devastate the young deer. And at the same time, they also chase mountain lions off of the adult kills. And what's that cat got to do? It's got to go kill another one, right? So they are having a devastating impact, you know, on deer, not to mention some other species here in California. And we got to manage them. They're apex predators. They are the apex predators. They've got to be managed. There's no predator or any other uh, entity that's going to manage them besides the hunting public. And, and we just need to, to get on that and get these bears under control. The latest estimates I heard, 70,000 bears. Humane Society tried to claim those only 9,000. I mean, it just goes to show that, that bears are everywhere and they're moving into habitats they've never been in before. We've got to get them under control, and hunting is the only tool that we can use to do that. Yeah, and I think that's very important because I say this all the time on the show. Remember, folks, humans have been part of the apex predator uh, issue in the state of California. And if you look back, um, new science is showing that's for tens of thousands of years. It used to be like only for the last 10,000 years. But now there's evidence came out of uh, San Diego at the Museum of Man. It's come out of the UC system that we humans have been part of the apex predators in California close to 30, 40,000 years now. So um, science is changing. We're seeing those artifacts. And so when you pull us out of the equation, it's no different than when wolves were pulled out of Yellowstone, where there's all the specials you can watch about how when we brought wolves back into Yellowstone, it brought a balance back in nature. Pulling humanity out as an apex predator has the same negative impacts as pulling any other apex predator out of the ecosystem. And so management means managing all those apex predators. And right now, you know, going back to what Bill said, 80% loss of the the species, you're not going to cover. You're going to have a decline in a population. That is a warning sign. And in a sensitive world that's worried about everything going on around them from climate change and everything, this is something that's a direct impact. The reason this is happening is because – Sorry, the bear in the park is not Yogi and Boo Boo. It's not Smokey. It is a bear. It is not your friend. They're not designed to be circus tricks, and they need to be managed. And this is something we're going to talk about as we look at a coalition that has come together that is making a difference in the conservation efforts here in the state of California. We'll be back on Firing Line Radio. 
Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Welcome back to Fine Line Radio. Folks, this is your host, Rick Travis, and I am the Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. With me today is my good friend and colleague, Bill Gaines of Gaines Associates, that represents multiple hunting organizations here in the state of California. We were just talking about the issues of bears and some of the mismanagement that's been going on. But in order to do that, we also talked about bringing like-minded groups together. And we preach on this show every week that an attack on one is an attack on all. And so, Bill, I'm going to take us back um, prior to our famous walk that we had along the American River in Sacramento uh, a little over a decade ago. And prior to that, there had been other groups um that had tried to bring people together in various ways to work with the state, to work with the department. And probably the the group that was most well-known was dismantled by Governor Brown. And you were there for that when that all went down. And so let's just kind of start there of that group, the Tauscher group, and then move forward into where we eventually had our conversation. The Tosher Committee, as I believe we used to call it back in the day, was actually uh, established by Jim Kellogg. And then mm-hmm. Jim Kellogg holds the record for being the the longest tenured fishing game commissioner, if you will. I think he was in for 12 years, mm-hmm. was reappointed by three different governors from both sides of the aisle, uh, staunch advocate for, for hunting and, and shooting in California. And and Jim used to meet with the groups regularly as a commissioner off to the side and, and uh, talk about issues and then try to get everybody coordinating on dealing with those issues, you know, certainly in front of the Fish and Game Commission and also in front of the state legislature. It's, that actually 
caught the attention of, of Governor Brown at the time and, and it, it hard how you put this, but, but he didn't think it was fair, if you will, for, for a commissioner to be meeting only with the hunting groups on the side. And that should be something that, that not only should the hunting groups, you know, have that type of access, but so, so should the other various groups, animal rights groups and others that may be working on commission issues. So that was basically shut down until we had, as you mentioned, what you called the famous walk along the Sacramento River. So, so working closely with uh, CRPA, we we got that fired up again under the California Hunting and Conservation Coalition, which since its inception close to a decade ago has has made a considerable positive mark on our efforts here in California and all political venues. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for all of you to know out there. This was us working. Hard to settle differences, settle disputes, settle everything. Um, literally on the lines on some days, it felt like we were trying to bring peace to the Middle East um, by getting everybody to work together. Um, but that is a strong coalition that we now have working. If some of the bills that went after like the 2121 that went after the dogs was to come back today, it would be a completely different fight because we're all working together. I mean, I have seen legislation to benefited the, the Hawking Society that you work with, Bill, and that's something that would have never been touched by a lot of these groups, and yet everybody came together you know, and said, hey, how do we support them? How do we support others? And that's important because people, this is why I say don't just belong to CRPA.org. If you have a passion, whether it's Hawking, whether it's working with dogs, anything in the aspect of conservation, belong to both. Belong to both. Put your money and your, your, where your passion and the things that matter most. If you're like, well, Rick, I don't hunt. Well, realize something. And this is what I wanted to explore with you, Bill. I think there's this attitude because the state uses terms that are detrimental, in my opinion. One of them is a consumptive user. And so, you know, we as hunters get called consumptive users. I dislike that term because um, many of us that hunt, you don't always get a deer every year. You don't always get ducks every year. You don't always get, so we're not always consuming. But what we are always doing is working on conservation. And, you know, I remember when, uh, Assembly Bill 711, that was the lead ban bill went through, uh, Governor Brown literally said in that, in his, his signing message that the hunting community was the number one conservationist for the last hundred years here. And I think that's a message that rarely gets heard by the public. Yeah, well, and that's an absolute true statement as well, Rick, when you look at the, uh, you know, what the hunting community pumps into habitat for both game and non-game species, not only with the purchase of licenses, stamps, and other permits that they need to be out in the field, you know, but also through their their association with groups like Rocky Mountain Elk, Cal Deer, you know, the Bowman Hunters and others, you know, that, that working with them, coordinating with the department and putting additional money out in the field. And, and what about private landowners? I mean, two-thirds of our remaining managed wetlands here in California are duck clubs managed year-round, right, on private ground. You know, what's the incentive? Hunting, right? And the same applies to a lot of deer habitat, elk habitat, turkey habitat. You know, we, we put a heck of a lot more back in than we take out for sure. Yeah, and I want to I point out, you know, a lot of people are like, maybe hear this and say, okay, so that's great, guys. You throw money into it. 
But, you know, one of the things I've taken people out, including some donors of ours, to show them is, uh, yeah, money goes into it, but it's backbreaking work. I mean, I went out and worked on projects where we were doing water for wildlife, you know, and restoring um, areas. To, to And it's, it is what you said. It's not for one species. It's amazing, especially in the water for wildlife, to see how many different animals in that ecosystem comes. And that's one of the things that I think that we need to really be preaching to the public is, we manage ecosystems. We worry about like making sure the plants, the animals, the insects, and 90% of it is stuff that we would never access to hunt that we're, we're benefiting. And no, I think that's, that's something that no one really talks about or looks at. And then you see other groups out there with lots of different acronyms that claim to be about these animals and they're species specific. And most of it is spent in courtrooms. It's not spent on the ground. That, that's absolutely right. You know, I mean, you know, one of the groups that I have the pleasure of representing is the California chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation. And I'm telling you, if it wasn't for their efforts in some of the, the very hard to get to areas where these sheep, you know, uh, exist, is their efforts putting guzzlers. I mean, the, the dedication of the volunteer man hours, I mean, just Thousands of hours, not to mention dollars, go into building those guzzlers that not only benefit the wild sheep, but a variety of other species that are up there that, that in these dry, arid areas, you know, that, that simply need water. So, I mean, just another example of, of the things that, that the hunting community does on the ground that benefits all types of species, whether we hunt them or not. I mean, that's why I don't refer to us as the hunting community very often. We're conservationists, conservationists first, and we're America's first environmentalists, and we're still America's best environmentalists. And and taking on that, you also work with, I know, the uh, cow deer and Rocky Mountain elk, and I think one of the things that I would improve their messaging if I was working with them is, you know, we have fires in California. We're all unfortunately used to it, but it's always remarkable to me. Everybody's like, oh, well, forestry goes in and replants the forest and and gets the, the things better for animals. But in actuality, a good chunk of that work is done by nonprofits. I mean, sure, you have some limited Boy Scout, Eagle Scout projects, but a lot of it's done by groups like California Deer, Rocky Mountain Elk that are going into those burned areas and making sure there's water, and that there's new food sources for the wildlife. That's exactly right. I mean, a, a ton of projects are brought forth, you know, by organizations like RMEF and CDA to do just that. And, of course, if, if we were managing our forests the way we should be managing our forests, we wouldn't be dealing with fires the way we are today, at least the, the, the massive wildfires. I mean, God created fire and lightning for a reason, right? I mean, you know, those habitats, when they burn, come back bigger, stronger, and better than ever. In fact, we're seeing now in, in these some of these burn areas where the elk populations are thriving and elk are moving into areas they've never been to before because of, of the fresh groceries, if you will, that are out there in some of these, these areas that are recovering from fire. So fire can be a good thing. We just don't need the big, massive wildfires. And the RMEF, CDA, and others are doing all they can to help be sure that some of these areas that are subject to fire are controlled to the point where, you know, they don't have these massive wildfires like we've experienced in the last few years. So I'm going to do a shameless plug for my allies from those organizations, folks. 
if you're looking for how you can restore burnt areas in the forests for future generations, your kids, your grandkids, for you to even enjoy, realize that giving money or becoming active in groups, if you want to be part of the grounds team doing this, like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, California Deer Association, and others, go to their websites, look them up. They have incredible success rates. They've been verified by multiple groups as not taking your money and doing junkets, but actually putting 95, 98% of the money back into the field, back to where they say it's going to go. These are the people that are conserving and keeping California and the Western United States beautiful for generations to come, and they need your help. They need your support, and CRPA works with them day in and day out. We'll be back on Fine Line Radio. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio, the CRPA's radio voice throughout the Inland Empire and beyond. Folks, we have been talking with Bill Gaines of Gaines & Associate. We were just talking about the California Hunting and Conservation Coalition. And every week when I, as your lobbyists, come and talk to you, I talk to you about the importance of staying in the fight here in California and how what we do here goes other places. And so, you know, a week ago, I talked to you about how our new 11% excise tax on everything firearms and ammunition related that goes into effect July 1st, um, you know, started here in California. And if we don't get behind and elect new people and fire people that are doing dumb things to us and our, our rights, it will spread. And so, you know, I've talked of how that same exact law is now being tried in three other Western states, starting up in Washington State. But you know what? Doing positive things in California also moves in a positive direction. And so talking about the California Hunting Conservation Coalition, Bill, working with you in this partnership with the rest of the leadership has been amazing to see that we now have the state of Washington, Oregon, uh, Idaho, and I believe you've been working with some people in, in Wyoming and Colorado are now replicating what we've done here because of the success of this organization in California. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, Oregon came to us, I guess it's been a couple of years ago now, and said, holy smokes, what you got going down there is working. How do we emulate that? And we worked with them so they could create their own, which is making a big difference in Oregon now. Washington looked over their border to what Oregon was doing and said, holy smokes, right? They did the same thing, and it's really starting to spread throughout the West. And it all got started right here. You know, and it's... It just shows the power of all of these organizations 
working together regardless of what the challenge may be, whether they're challenging hunting of a certain species. Like, remember Senator Weiner out of San Francisco a couple of years ago, Senate Bill 252, that was a bill that would have prohibited the hunting of bears. We killed that bill before it even had a hearing. He pulled it a week later because the opposition was just massive and coordinated, you know, to, to fight that bill. He said it's not worth the, the, the effort they were taking hand to try to pass that bill. We've had other bills dealing with trying to take away various methods to take the use of dogs for hunting other species and so on and so forth. That authors down at the Capitol, even some of the, the liberal urban legislators that have historically been famous for floating legislation that, that tips into hunting when they really know nothing about it, right? You know, they've been afraid to pick up these bills because they know that the hunting community is organized and powerful now, much more than they have been in the past, and that it's a heavy lift to try to pass legislation that challenges any type of hunting in California. A lot heavier of a lift than it used to be. And I think it's important for people to realize that this effort of the of the California Hunting and Conservation Coalition that both of our organizations have worked really hard to support has understood something that the rest of the nation could take a page from, and that is in this time of increasing divisiveness, you know, from the local level to the state level to the national level, we have flown in the opposite direction of building a coalition that, you know, on the dog issue, I remember we had a bill that, well, it came out here, I believe I was um, the assembly member from Imperial County that was to go after dogs. In fact, it was so egregious, dogs could be shot and they were caught anywhere we're near. There was deer hunting, even though the dog might be up there because, oh, you're pheasant hunting. And that happens to be a, a season that, you know, overlaps. And so your dog wasn't even in that area for the purpose of the year. It was there for something else. Could have been hurt. We were able to get the United Kennel Club, the American Kennel Club, dog clubs, and that coalition expanded to adapt to the attack and, and like you said, remove it before it even got down the line and really even out of the gates. And that is something that I think all of you listening to this during this time of elections can realize. Um, it was a daunting task when we looked at starting this coalition. And, you know, it was literally a handful of us that came together initially, Bill, to do this and said, you know what, we'll start here. We will prove that we can work together, and then we'll start adding people. And that is every year. There's new members, new groups, new contacts. We've had other groups wake up and go, oh, we got to get some trained staff to assist these people in, in the capital and in other areas in the state. And so, um, folks, it's very achievable, and the rewards for this are exponential. They just keep growing. Um, but saying that, speaking of coalitions, Bill, this isn't the only coalition that we've recently worked on because <laughs> we had a surprise that came up on a local level down here in Southern California. And I think, again, look at how amazing a coalition that when we first got involved, they had just over a 1,000 people, and now they're at 100 times that in numbers on their, their petitions and stuff. But let's talk about the coalition to stop the slaughter of the mule deer on Catalina for a moment. I mean, if you look from the outside, you'd be like, excuse me, who is in this coalition? And, you know, that, uh, that, that certainly, you know, brought together some strange bedfellows. I mean, you, you and I have had the, the pleasure for the past, I think this 
first raised its head, at least this go around back in early October. So we've been dealing with this now for what, about four months when the Catalina Conservancy uh, proposed to eradicate all the deer from Catalina Island because of their concerns that those deer, which are exotic, were having too great of an impact on the native plant species on that island. Um, and that brought us together when the, the local Catalina Island Humane Society reached out to us asking for our help. And then we've been working with them. And you mentioned the coalition that, what do they call themselves? The Coalition to Save Catalina Deer, I believe right. it is. Yeah. You know, we've been working with them for the past several months to try to stop the proposal by the Conservancy to do that, to question their science, which is certainly worth questioning, and trying to work with the commission and the department to get them to deny their permit to do that. It's It's been a battle, Rick, and it's a, it's a work in process, and we're far from done on that one. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to realize that this isn't a local battle. While it started out locally, we have biologists and experts that are on multiple continents that are feeding into this. This has become a national and to some extent, I don't want to blow it out of proportions, but with international players that are getting involved to set the record straight. So depending on how this shakes out, there will be a definitive record. It will not be with blind eyes that anything happened. Well, you know, and Rick, we have often said on on the many issues that we've dealt with over the years in front of the commission and in front of the legislature, let the science be the guide, right? I mean, you win by the science and you die by the science. I'll use sage grouse as an example. People love to hunt sage grouse in California, but the populations are certainly struggling. So we actually supported a few years back shutting off of the sage grouse season, which is still shut down in California until those populations bring their health back. I mean, it's conservation first, and if legitimate science says that we shouldn't be hunting or we should reduce bag limits or whatever on a certain species, we support that because we mm-hmm. care more about the species than we do just our ability to pursue them in the field, right? And that applies the Catalina issue. I mean, you look at the science that the Conservancy is bringing forward that says we need to eradicate these deer, and it's old, antiquated science. There's been no new studies, no peer review that, that we're aware of, nothing like that. And we all we're asking for is let's do a legitimate study on what kind of an impact those deer are having, and then let the science be the guide as to whether or not they can coexist with the native plants on the island or not. Yeah, I think that's really important what you brought up, and I want to highlight that. We look as conservationists to only be able to hunt the surplus. So like today when we've talked to you, we were like, hey, there's some deer populations. Obviously, the sage grouse is a great one as an example where we may say, hey, limit the take or no take at all because that population needs our support. And two things I'll point out about us as conservationists first, we are still working. There are Upland game groups, they're still working to help those sage-grouse populations bounce back. They didn't say, oh, well, we can't hunt them, so, well, forget them. No, they're out there every year during the the nesting season, during the non-nesting seasons, doing everything they can to aid those species and bouncing back. And by the way, hunting didn't put them in that situation. A lot of environmental changes and other issues and mismanagement in some areas put them in that position. But what's also important for everybody to realize is that this group of people is doing what needs to be done. And so when we talk about bear hunting, that's because there's a surplus of bears. If there wasn't a surplus of bears, they wouldn't need to be managed by hunting. And so we would advocate for not doing it. 
So the point of advocacy is always to protect this population species, ensure its growth for future generations. Then when it's being managed properly to use hunting as a management tool, that is first and foremost in every organization we work for. So when you hear rhetoric out there in the public space that says otherwise, challenge it. Don't be quiet. Don't shake your head and walk away. Literally stop and say, that's not the case, folks. Even, you know, the left with Jerry Brown has said that's not the case. The right will tell you it's not the case, and everybody in the middle will tell you it's not the case. People, silence is admission. And every time you hear something that's false and you're quiet, you basically told the people around you who agree. Don't agree, disagree, put the truth forward, because that's one of the ways we fight back here on Firing Line Radio. We'll be right back. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Fine Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. And again, if you haven't joined the CRPA, go to crpa.org and do so now and become a part of the fight for your rights here in the state of California and passing those on to future generations. And for those of you that say... You know, Rick, I shouldn't have to do this. I'll remind you, there is nothing more American than fighting for your rights. Folks, 250 years ago, this April, there was a wonderful little thing that happened. We had had people take away everything, had soldiers in our homes from our government, had taxes. Sound familiar? Taxes on everything. You know, the government kept looking for, oh, we're not managing our budget over in Great Britain so well. Let's tax the colonists even more. None of those things, including a massacre in Boston, caused us to raise up against our government. But on April 19th, 250 years ago, the government decided to come for our firearms and our ammunition. And that started a revolution that was heard around the world. And that was the day that many of us British citizens became known as Americans. And Thomas Jefferson said, every generation will have to fight for these rights. Folks, that's what we do here on CRPA's Fine Line Radio. We continue that fight. There is nothing more American than being involved with this. 
And with me today in that fight every day is Bill Gaines of Gaines & Associates. We're talking about hunting. We've talked about conservation. We've talked about politics. But bring it back down to the local level with you. This week, we had an unfortunate incident up in Yellow County. It's a community just north and slightly uh, west of Sacramento. And in there, we had a father-son on a Wednesday morning go out duck hunting. And uh, the boy's 13. And during the process of duck hunting, there was an accident. And the father died as a result of the son's shotgun going off. We don't have all the details on that. But the point is, a horrific tragedy happened. A preventable tragedy happened. You know, there are basic rules that we preach and have for 150 years at CRPA, and that's, you know, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot, keep the firearm unloaded until you're ready to use, and always point it in a safe direction. Had all those been maintained, this wouldn't have happened. But one of my concerns, Bill, is, you know, a lot of people learned to hunt when they were much younger. Um, A lot of people have tried to, to cheat as much as they could, the hunter education process in this state. And I know during the pandemic, the department was struggling with how do we help people that are starting to go in the outdoors because you could go in the outdoors during the pandemic. And so we had online courses. There's been a lot of tension back and forth amongst all of us that are hunter ed instructors of how wise that was. Um, and we don't know all the background on this. But one of the things I do notice is you've got to take – firearms safety, hunter safety, just going into the woods safety with nature seriously. And we've got to start holding each other accountable because I know CRPA, we invest a lot of money into training and training resources statewide to try to help people. Um, I'm talking this this weekend at a, a big show here in Southern California about that kind of safety. What are your thoughts on this, Bill? You know, Rick, it's it's when you look at the number of trigger pulls, for example, you work very closely at CRPA with a bunch of different ranges, right? Right. Millions of trigger pulls. Accidents are super, super rare. Right. You're a hunter and instructor. I'm a hunter and instructor. And one of the top things that we talk about every year when we go to our conference is what was our safety record this past year? You know, we sell, you know, well over 100,000 hunting licenses in California. I think last year we were around 275,000, something like that. Well, when you when you put all that quarter of a million folks out in the field, that's a ton of trigger pulls. Accidents in the field, even minor ones, are super, super rare. Fatal accidents only happen maybe once every few years, and they'll be like maybe one. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, just this week, we had another one. It's the first one we've had in quite some time. But as a hunter and instructor, the number one most important thing to me is firearm safety. Sure, we want to teach the, the, the youth and the adults who go through those classes about the role of hunters in conservation, how to be a successful hunter, you know, you know, how, where animals, you know, tend to be fine, edge habitats, all of those things, right? We want to teach them all that, but the number one thing in our course is firearms safety, muzzle control, and and some of the things that, that you mentioned beforehand and and 
it's easy to easy to, to make one mistake and unfortunately there's no going back on that kind of stuff you know what type of course that that this gentleman took you know to get his hundred the, the all online course it's hard to teach firearm safety online right i mean that's why i believe hands-on face-to-face hunter safety courses where you can go hands-on face-to-face and teach them about firearm safety among the other things that hunter safety courses provide i mean i I think it's critical that we get back to to doing it the way it should be done and that's face-to-face you know working with these youth and adults and i think one of the things that we push constantly at crpa is hunter egg courses in the state of california are incredibly well done and i praise the department and the over 900 hunter education instructors statewide that work tirelessly in that effort um there's sound people, salt of the earth people doing, doing an incredible job. But I also tell people, even if you isolate this down to just shotgun shooting, which is what you do when you, you waterfowl hunt, um, so many people that come through the course, come through the course having never taken a class on how to use a shotgun. And even those that come back and say, Oh, I was in the military. I used a shotgun. You know, I was a, an MP or something. That's great. But. You know, if you ever want to really see where your skills are, before you go hunting, go shoot sporting clays, go shoot trap, go shoot skeet, and you'll find out you're not going to be good at all of them. You're going to really not be good at a couple of them. And that's because it comes back to that hands-on, and a lot of times it's adjustments. The way I was taught to shoot a shotgun in the military is not the way you shoot a shotgun doing trap, nor is it the way you shoot a shotgun doing sporting clays, nor is it the way you do it upland versus waterfowl. I mean, those are things that take guns with people. You know, I've hunted everything but ducks, and that's why I've talked to you and, and my predecessor at CRPA of like, hey, I'm comfortable going with somebody that knows what they're doing because I need to learn. You know, I'm just not going to go in a duck blind with my dog and go, hey, let's see what happens because that's a recipe for disaster. And I think that's really important for people to realize that if you are a hunter in a, in a field, Take new people out, make sure they're trained, and help guide them and mentor them. And never get too comfortable. I mean, duck hunting, for example, oftentimes you're in in a two-man blind, you're in a four-man blind. You may, I mean, you're going to have somebody very, very close to you. It's not like, you know, if you're out deer hunting, you may be out there all by yourself, right? I mean, you know, or you're, you're not going to be hunting side by side very often. But duck, duck blinds, that's the way they are, you know, and, and so you can never get too comfortable with your firearm. You've always got to be cognizant of that. I mean, muzzle control for me when I'm in the blind, it's like I'll look at the guy next to me and, and sometimes he's not so, you know, uh, you know, a little, or I should say sometimes he's a little too comfortable with his firearm, right? Even though he may have been hunting for 30, 40 years, you've got to have firearm safety as your number one goal when you're out there in the field. Forget about how many birds you got. Make sure that you're taking care of that firearm and, and that things are being done in a safe manner. Yeah, and I think that's one of the other things I will tell you, too. Part of firearm safety starts in the house, where where you have it, how often you clean it, how you take care of it. Um, it actually starts when you first buy it, actually mean the directions that come with the firearm and knowing what to do with it, which... Unfortunately, I think a lot of people look at directions with anything they buy, any tool, and toss it to the side. Don't do that. Actually read them, folks. Actually know what it says. Um, but I also think it's really important that we start 
getting back to that point where you mentor people. Folks, in mentoring people all the time, it also reinforces both my mental and my muscle memory of what I should be doing. It benefits me as well as the mentor. Um, there are times where I'm teaching Hunter Ed that I know that I'm like, yeah, I got to remember that when I go out this next week because it's just a reminder. And I think those are really important. Bill, I want to thank you for having you on the show today. One of the things you brought up in this last piece was comfortable. And folks, a lot of you have gotten too comfortable allowing the government to make you believe that you work for them. And we're coming up on the elections. People are going to be able to start voting here in just uh, a week from Monday. Um, and so you need to start getting people up off the rear ends. Don't let them be comfortable. Remind them of why they're uncomfortable. The taxes, the potholes, the gas prices, the cost of food, the cost of everything in the state, the lack of services. That's because your public servants aren't serving you. Tap to it. Put it on your your mirror, whatever. It's we the people, folks. They work for us, not the other way around. Bill and I and our colleagues are fighting for you every day, but we need your help. It is time to start firing the people that aren't working for you. And we do that in a little thing called voting. And for those of you who say, I don't vote, well, you did. You voted for the opposition you don't like. And as always, remember, be safe, shoot straight, and fight back for your rights with the CRPA. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.